All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to uh, be here with you. Um, back in 1913, uh, Woodrow Wilson was elected as the 28th president of the United States. And I think it was probably shortly after uh, World War One, while he was still president, uh, he had this policy that uh, he called or he, he was the first one to uh, name it this, I guess, uh, America First. Um, that was his, his policy of not getting involved in um, foreign affairs and um, keeping the U.S. a little more isolated. Uh, probably had something to do with uh, the memories of World War I, I'm guessing. Um, and, you know, as a country, there's lots of competing priorities and... Um, things that could be done. And so having a single guiding principle like that in making decisions um, is very valuable. And uh, I'm not here to say whether that's a good policy or a bad policy, but to use that as, as an example um, of, of how our life can be, uh, we have lots of competing um, demands on our time, resources, and money, and energy. And it's really helpful if we have a guiding principle, a top priority, to help us um, know how to spend our time and know how to align our life. And Jesus gave his followers a number one priority, you could say. He said, seek first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Um, you can start turning to Matthew 6. We are uh, still going through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so what is the kingdom of God? It's something that Jesus talked about a lot. Uh, I think he mentioned it around 50 times uh, as recorded in the Gospels. He describes it as something of great value, like a treasure that's hidden in a field that a man finds and joyfully goes home, sells everything he has, and then buys the field. He describes it as a pearl of great value that a merchant um, sells uh, all of his things and then goes and buys that, that pearl. He talks about the kingdom of heaven as something that grows. Um, like a farmer sowing seed um, that grows, first sprouts, and then gets bigger and bigger, and eventually results in a harvest. Uh, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven like a mustard seed that starts out very small and ends up in a tree that um, the birds can nest in. He talks about it being like uh, leaven in a batch of dough that grows and spreads. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being something that must be entered um, he, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus that night that unless you are born again, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, uh, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And then in Luke, um, he talks about, and in Matthew 2, I think, how difficult it is for those who are trusting in wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus also talked about um, the kingdom of God as being something that will only be clear uh, in the final harvest. Uh, he compares it to a farmer sorting out the wheat and the tares. Um, he compares it to fishermen that 
make a big catch with their net of all kinds of fish and then sort through um, tossing out the bad and keeping the good. Um, he talks about the kingdom of heaven as being something that we receive. Um, unless we receive it like a little child, we cannot enter. Um, so what is the kingdom of heaven? Um, I don't have a theological definition, but perhaps we can think of the kingdom of heaven as kind of being um, the territory controlled by God or, or um, what is submitted to God. Um, people who are submitted to God are part of the kingdom of heaven and um, whatever is working in accordance with his will, um, people who are living according to his will and whatever areas of our life that are in submission to his will, that's part of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is made up of people. Um, it's People are in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is in us and more people can be added to the kingdom and the kingdom of heaven can grow inside of us as well as we submit more and more to what God is trying to do in our lives. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus warns against behaviors um, that are similar to the hypocrites or to the pagan unbelievers, the Gentiles. Um, and uh, the last time I spoke, we looked at the hypocrites um, and how we should avoid being like them. And uh, in the verses we're going to look at today, Jesus is warning against being like the Gentile unbelievers um, and pursuing the things that they pursue. Um, so we're going to look at Matthew 6, starting at verse 19 and through the, read through the end of the chapter. And notice that... Um, so in verse 25, we have this section about not being anxious, and it's preceded by uh, a little section about laying up treasure in heaven. And uh, it says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And this comes right after uh, Jesus talks about um, that you cannot serve both God and money. And if we go to Luke and see, find this exact same passage about not being anxious, um, he says something very similar. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. And what immediately precedes that passage is the story of the rich fool. Um, and God says, if, if you're not, um, if you're rich, but not rich towards God, um, that's not good. Therefore, um, do not be anxious. Um, so this stuff about not being anxious immediately follows uh, Jesus' teaching about money and how we relate to money and where we put our values. So let's, um, let's read Matthew six nineteen through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Not about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So why should we seek the kingdom of God first? Uh, I have three uh, reasons here that I see. Um, The first is that we can only have one priority, one first priority, one master. Um, Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. Uh, So there can only be one top priority. Um, Secondly, uh, Jesus' kingdom is the only one that will last. Um, We lay up treasures here on earth, they can be destroyed, but whatever is put in heaven um, is secure. And thirdly, uh, God is the creator, he is the provider, and uh, he knows what's best for us, he can be trusted. And and for these reasons, uh, we should seek the kingdom of God first. So, looking at these three reasons a little more, I'd like to go into a little more detail about what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, In light of the fact that we can only have one priority and only one master, I think to seek the kingdom of God means to choose submission over selfishness. So, submission to God's will over selfishness. Uh, That's a more general way of saying um, we cannot serve both God and money. Um, And I'd like to look at uh, Luke 9, verses 23 through 25. Jesus said... um, And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So I think uh, seeking the kingdom of God is daily making decisions that lay down our will and submit ourselves to God's will. Um, Our own self must die if we're going to have room in our hearts for the kingdom of God. Um, And I think this submission is really living in obedience to all of these things that Jesus has talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, You know, when we're standing in the line for the bathroom at school and somebody shoves us, you know, self wants to shove back. But um, Jesus says to turn the other cheek and... uh, let them slap us again. Let them shove us again. Um, 
Self wants to be nice to people who are nice to us and are kind to us and to avoid or ignore those who we dislike or who treat us poorly. But Jesus says to greet everyone, um, pray for those who are mean to us and mistreat us. Uh, self wants to get back when we're falsely accused or of wrongdoing or if somebody makes us look bad. But Jesus says to rejoice and be glad for great is our reward in heaven. So um, choosing submission over selfishness is living in obedience to these very unnatural uh, commands that Jesus gives us. Secondly, um, in light of the fact that uh, Jesus' kingdom is the only kingdom that will last for eternity, we should be seeking um, the eternal over the temporary. Um, seeking the kingdom of God first is choosing the eternal over the temporary. And we see that in these first verses, in, um, starting at verse 19, uh, about not laying up for ourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Um, we have something temporary, our lives. Um, they're going to be short. They are short. But we can use them to build something that will last for eternity. Uh, Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And um, one way to do this is to invest in relationships, um, in people. People will last for eternity. Souls will last for eternity. Um, and an example of this, um, tell you what I'm thinking about, um, there's a, a young man I know who was, uh, had this dream of biking the entire Blue Ridge Parkway, all 469 miles of it. Um, but he gave up that very temporary um, honor, accomplishment, um, so that he could spend time with his wife um, celebrating their anniversary, and he he was he placed those relationships ahead of that temporary accomplishment um, that may or may not have just a whole lot of value for eternity. Um, have you ever have you ever worried about um, whether your house was fit for company or whether you had enough uh, food in the oven for company? Um, and we're hesitant to invite somebody over. Um, I haven't prepared a lot of meals for guests myself, so take this with a grain of salt. But I, I think one thing Jesus is saying here is to value um, the people, the relationships over uh, the food and um, everything looking just right. Um, what's going to last for eternity? Um, this is something we should be thinking about when we think about seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Are we building, are we using our uh, temporary lives to build something that will last for eternity? Um, you know, it's a blessing when people and relationships with people, when that uh, supports and encourages us and motivates us to seek the kingdom of God first. Um, but even people can, can stand in the way of um, us doing what God wants us to do. Uh, Luke 18, 29 through 30, uh, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children 
for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Um, and that account is also in Matthew uh, 19. And that's Jesus talking to his disciples right after he told them, uh, right after he interacted with the um, rich young ruler. So we need to um, prioritize relationships and things that will last. And yet even people can stand between us and the kingdom if we value them uh, too highly. We can only have one priority. That must be um, Jesus' kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, and uh, people, even our family, cannot uh, come between that between us and um, that top priority. This may seem a little bit extreme, uh, but if we take the Sermon on the Mount seriously, um, as Jesus' clear instructions for how we really should live life, um, his teachings about persecution, about divorce, about possessions, then it's fairly easy to see how obedience um, might require sacrificing houses, fields, or even family. And thirdly, um, what I see in these verses, especially the um, section about not being anxious, is that we need to choose fear over or faith over fear uh, if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes seeking the kingdom of God can be kind of scary. Um, God is asking us to, to give. He's asking us to do unnatural things. Um, he's asking us to prioritize his kingdom when we have real immediate needs and things demanding our attention. But uh, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in these verses, real needs. Uh, what are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? Um, what should we drink? And I don't think we're going to... Well, yeah, let's look it up. Um, 1 Kings 17 uh, is the story of Elijah. Uh, Ahab was king during this time. And, of course, he was a wicked king. And God brought a drought, a severe drought and famine on the land. And Elijah sat, sat by this brook and was fed by ravens for some time till the brook dried up. And then God told him uh, to go to Zarephath where he would find a widow. Uh, let's just read this story. It's not very long. First um, Kings 17, starting at verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And he said, As the Lord, and she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, 
and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and as she and he and her and she and he and her household ate for many days, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, if you were that widow um, trying to keep your son alive and you had only a handful of flour left, uh, how would you feel about sharing that with a stranger? Um, wouldn't you be tempted to just tell him to go find his own food? Um, don't you see we're in trouble here? Um, we'll be lucky if we live um, many more days. Um, but she gave that first to Elijah. I don't know if there was any left for her after she fed Elijah or not. But in any case, she didn't have much to share. But she, she had faith that what Elijah told her was true, that God would make her oil and her flour last. And, and God did. But first, she had to give up what little bit she had. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is asking us to do um, in Matthew 5. He's telling us to seek the kingdom first, um, lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven, not be anxious and worried about all these needs. Um, he, will take, he knows what we need, and he will take care of us but we need to seek the kingdom first and trust him to um, provide for, the, for our needs. God, um, God is, the, is the creator, and um, these verses make that clear. Uh, he created the birds. And um, did you ever, it's, it's beautiful outside now, but in the middle of winter, on a cold day, did you ever look at the little birds flying around the chickadees and wonder, how in the world do they survive these cold nights? If you ever camped outside on a cold night um, and then were just ready for some hot coffee and some hot food, um, can appreciate how, how did those little birds survive in that cold all the time. And um, one way that they survive is, is by keeping their uh, feet very cold, keep their body warm around 105 degrees and keep their feet just above freezing. Um, and if uh, that, that might seem like a, a perfect little heat sink, you know, all the heat just runs out the legs. Um, but they have this, according to what I read, this, this uh, cool mechanism or, or way of um, preventing that. And the blood vessels that run out to the cold legs run right past the blood vessels coming up um, from the legs. And heat is transferred there. And so most of the heat is not lost in the legs. Um, that heat is transferred to the cold blood coming back and um, the blood flow is maintained in those cold feet, uh, but heat is not lost. Um, and, and they gather in groups and find food uh, during the day and try to get enough so that they can um, shiver all night and make it to the next morning when they can look for food again. Uh, they don't stow, store food in barns, and yet um, God takes care of them. Uh, and we're so much more valuable than they are. Um, God knows what they need, he knows what we need, and he will take care of us, is what Jesus is saying here. Um, look at the lilies of the field. 
they only last for a brief time, and yet, yet uh, even Solomon was not clothed like they are. Um, just on the way to church this morning, I saw uh, fields full of crimson clover, and if uh, all down in the in the grain, if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. Um, fields full of buttercups; they're just getting started. Um, pretty soon, there'll be fields covered in white clover, and and then the roads lined with blue chicory, and all these beautiful flowers that God has made, um, just for a short time, and. The, the richest king in the world is not clothed like them. And these flowers have a hidden beauty to them that um, we'll never see. Um, many of these flowers, solid colored flowers like buttercups and dandelions, um, in ultraviolet, they, they reflect and absorb ultraviolet light in patterns that we cannot see because we don't see ultraviolet light. But insects are designed to be able to see that and so what they see when they look at flowers is very different. They see these unique patterns. And some people take uh, photographs of these with special cameras and um, they can see the patterns, but we don't have colors uh, for those, so we have to assign colors and we can kind of see the patterns. But these flowers have a beauty and a pattern um, far beyond anything that Solomon's robes ever had. God designed all of this um, to provide for the flower's needs so that pollinators could find them, pollinate them, and they could reproduce. Um, God did all this for a little flower that's just going to pass away in a few days. Um, God's design and care in designing the flowers um, should give us confidence that, that he knows exactly what we need and, um, and he will care for us. Matthew uh, 6, here, verse... Verse 31, in light of all this uh, that God has done for the birds and the flowers, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So life is full of decisions, um, big decisions, small decisions. Uh, what we do with our time, how we re relate to people, how we, re we respond to certain situations and what people do, how we spend our time, money, and energy. Um, there are many competing demands on, on those resources. Our lives are so short, and then we'll have all eternity to, to reflect on how we spent the short little life that we had. Um, we need a clear priority um, so we don't waste our life, so we make... Uh, wise choices and make good use of our lives in a way that will count for eternity. And Jesus offers us um, this priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we, when we remember that we can only have one top priority, we can only have one master, then we'll choose submission to God over selfishness. And when we remember that God's kingdom is the only kingdom that will last for eternity, then we can choose um, we will remember to choose uh, eternal things over things that are only temporary. And when we remember that God is the creator um, and that he cares for us, just like he cares for the rest of his creation and values us more than the rest of his, much more than the rest of his creation, then we can choose faith over fear and trust him to take care of us as we seek the kingdom of God first. And when we do all this, then God 
Jesus promises that we will be given what we need. Um, we will be rewarded many times over in this life and in the next life receive eternal life.